0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Tech fan podcast number 312. I'm Tim Robertson and uh, going old school this week with two co-hosts. Owen Rubin is here and so is David Cohen. Hey, Owen. Tim. Hi, David. Hello. So, um, yeah, it's fun to do this sometimes. Get all three of us. You know, sometimes we, when you get three people, it, it could get a little bit of stepping on each other. And yeah, I didn't hear the other person start talking, but you know, I I like the three of us. It's a great dynamic, and it's fun to do sometimes.
0: I, and I promise
1: um, that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I rest my case. I
2: did that on purpose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. So we 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 got some feedback this week, guys, from the last few shows, and uh, we I, we've got some cool things to talk about. Cool as in, ugh. And <laughs> I, I, two of the stories are about Uber. It, Uber, it just seems like they can't get out of their way sometimes, you know? Oh. It, it's uh, it's so frustrating, I would imagine, if you are just a run-of-the-mill Uber employee and it's just pow, 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 pow. The first one, though, how one hot... Hi- this is from Ars Technical, In fact, both of these first two articles are from Mars Technica. How one hot sauce seller hauled Uber into small claims court and won (laughs) $4,000. Now, now this is a a fantastic story, and I'm going to put links in the show notes. So go to techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com. Look for show 312, and you'll find the links to all the stuff we're talking about. So this guy named Dane Wilcox uh, went to Boston and he started his own little hot sauce company and he's doing this he he wanted to promote it in a different way so he's promoting it via Dota 2 which is an online multiplayer game usually all the ads on on Dota is like those really crappy gambling things right yeah so he goes to uh, he goes to uh boston and he takes an uber to his, uh, not hotel, what is that other one, the Airbnb. And he tells the driver, let me take the two suitcases up because they're big, they're full of hot sauce and stuff. And I'll come back down and I get my bag out of the back seat because that's where his laptop and stuff is. So he does so, but as soon as he gets out of the cabin and starts walking away, the Uber driver takes off. And the Uber driver knew this stuff was sitting in the back seat. I mean, the guy specifically told him that. So he calls the driver and the driver doesn't answer the phone because you have that, that number to call in an Uber, right? And then he calls Uber and they try to help him at first and then it goes nowhere. So he starts suspecting that, hey, this guy did this on purpose. This wasn't a mistake. The guy's ducking me and now Uber's basically telling him, Hey, you know, it's it has nothing to do with us. We're not responsible for that uh, because he's an independent contractor. The driver
0: hasn't that gone through court a couple times like that?
1: Yeah. So this guy, Dane Wilcox, gets all this evidence. He 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 called the police too. So he gets all this evidence, including security cam footage from the Airbnb place that he's staying and you can clearly see this guy pulling away and instead of Uber going, yeah, this is, this is BS. We'll help you out. They fight him. In fact, one of their defenses is how do you have all this evidence? It seems very suspicious to us (laughs) that you would have even video footage. So they're basically accusing him of trying to rip off Uber. And how did you get all the way to the curb without hearing the car pulling away? (laughs) <laughs> well, it was a uh, hybrid. Wow! So, yeah. So scumbaggish, just, yeah. just, just so scumbaggish. Um, <laughs> I'm trying well, to. When you
0: started to read this, I was thinking, like, four grand. What could they possibly have done? I don't think he got enough money. So, um,
1: this is him talking with uh, an Uber lawyer. I told him that I had the whole road of myself cuz he wants to know how how does this guy got all this stuff uh, including pictures of him on the airplane with what was in his bag. I told him that I had the whole road of myself and it would be fun to share with my followers. Wilcox told Ayers. Um as for the video, he had simply or he had it simply because his Airbnb post uh, had cameras outside the apartment. Hoyt, which is the Uber lawyer, says it's really fishy that you have all this convenient documentation about your backpack and all your stuff. It seems like you're trying to get us to pay you for something that didn't happen.
2: Why uh, didn't they just speak to the sketchy driver, Uber? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't get this. The problem is, is with all of this, Uber are desperate to try and avoid being on the hook for this for this money. Yeah, When, in fact, the first thing they need to do is speak to their... Employee oh by the way, yes, he is their employee yep this this is typical uber just doing the oh oh yeah no they're, they're just contractors they don't really work for us we have no liability. all of this is basically about avoiding them accepting liability for something they should be liable for
1: it, it's, I it's unbelievable
2: you know oh, look, huh? I had a I had a, a, a sketchy <clears throat> situation with Uber the other day yeah I'm in London, my family with me this week. Uh, for work and 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 so i've been spending the evenings with him we come out of the hotel um we wanted to get a, a cab to a restaurant i said oh well, i'll just call an uber yeah the guy spent 10 minutes when he arrived on the phone to me going i can't see you where are you and everything like it. basically he didn't <laughs> want to battle through he, he got close and he he wanted us to walk to where he was and it was pouring with the rain and we weren't going to do that yeah after 10 minutes all, all of a sudden, he cancels <clears> the ride. <throat> yeah, Uber then charges me five pounds. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so I get straight. I get straight through the app and I said, "No, I'm not paying the five pounds. You know, it's not my fault that he he, he couldn't be bothered to come and pick us up. Uh, you know, and and this is this is exactly the same sort of thing. This is that unfortunately, Uber has become the denizen of uh, of an awful lot of very sketchy drivers who who do things their way and and you know, bask in the fact that they're not liable whenever they do something wrong.
1: This is funny, because he actually won in court, but only for 50%. But then he got a police report, and he contested that judgment and got another court case.
2: Yeah, because the police, the, the Uber says that they always cooperate with law right, enforcement. Right,
1: and this is how it goes. Yeah, the, when, yeah. when Wilcox finally got the police report, it contained a big surprise. Uber had Stonewall... Stonewall Wilcox but emphasized in court and phone conversations and public statements that it always cooperates with law enforcement. Yet the police report shows that Uber maintained the ride hadn't even taken place, despite the fact that the police officer had provided the vehicle's license plate number, the driver's name, and the exact time of the ride. The investigating police officer made multiple visits to the address on record of the vehicle's owner, but no one had answered. Uber, meanwhile, said the driver hadn't even worked for them for two years. This is just... Look, I I get it. If it's a $50 million lawsuit, I, I know they're going to act a little shady. They're going to try to win no matter what. This is four grand. This yeah. is a small business owner. $4,000.
0: Did you look bucks. At the video? Yeah. I mean, the car starting to drive away while I'm standing next to it. He, I, but it doesn't look like he even tried to yell at it. But well, it, still, was, it
1: he didn't I, because it was a hybrid. Have you ever been next right. to a hybrid that pulls away at low speed? You can't hear yeah, it. I, don't know. I,
0: don't I, know I sell know. them.
1: I've had people pull up in a hybrid right next to me, and I didn't even hear it.
0: Yeah, my wife calls them stealth mode. (laughs) Yes. And you can see this guy just
1: barely takes his foot off the brakes and goes really slowly, pulls away.
0: So, David, we had a very similar thing. My wife and I were in, um, we flew to uh, Portland, Maine, and our plane was delayed about a half an hour. And when we get to the airport at 1130 at night, the rental car agency is closed. Yeah, and uh, it's like the place is dead. There's and so we go up to the cab station the, and the guy's packing up and goes, nope, no more cabs here because the airport's closed. So I turn on my Uber app, and uh, there's no cars showing. So I still requested a car, and yeah. nothing. So then I turned on Lyft, and after about three minutes, a car showed up. So we took the Lyft, and I and then a guy from Uber answered, and then canceled on us. Yeah, because I texted him saying I already got a Lyft coming, and then we got charged by Uber five dollars because we said we canceled the ride after he showed up. Yeah, except he I, didn't show up because yeah, we were there yeah. for fifteen minutes. You know,
2: after after what happened the other day, I just to say that I'm just done with Uber. Even right. though Lyft doesn't operate in the UK, so actually I'm getting out. I'm um, basically I can't get into the kind of the ride-sharing business. I can't use yep. them if I don't use Uber, but I am done with them. I've had enough
0: of it. Yeah, we only use Lyft now. We won't. We won't yeah. use Uber unless we have no other choice. So no. here's the
1: second one about Uber. Um, Travis Kalanick, he's one of the. He was the CEO of Uber. They got fired recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Travis Kalanick, <laughs> the recently removed CEO of Uber, has been sued by a group of investors that has accused him of gross mismanagement and misconduct during his tenure. Benchmark Capital Partners, which currently holds 13% of the company's stock and about 20% of its voting power on the board of directors, filed the lawsuit against uh, Kalanick and Uber. The complaint outlines in one fell swoop the myriad complaints that have befallen Uber during Kalanick's time as CEO. These, in, these include reports on sexual harassment, gray Ball, and the questionable uh, acquisition of Otto and the resulting still ongoing lawsuit uh, from WAMO that followed, and other reportedly uh, reported missteps. Benchmark accuses Kalanick of withholding material information about all of these episodes during last year's um, vote, uh, vote on the board of directors. That vote resulted in an expansion of the number of Uber board seats from 8 to 11. The three new seats, under the new 2016 rules, uh, were to be chosen directly by Kalanick. Effectively, according to the lawsuit, the new vote created a mechanism by which Kalanick would continue to have an outsized role in Uber's strategic direction, even if forced to resign as CEO. Kalanick, having been stripped of his seat on the board as CEO In June 2017, then named himself to one of the three vacant seats, leaving two to remain at his discretion. So, he gets fired, and for good reason. But the year before, during a board meeting, they created two new seats, and he controls who sits on those seats. So, after he's fired, he gives himself one of those seats.
0: (laughs) I didn't know that.
1: It's it's un. This guy's scumbaggery
0: knows no bounds. But wait a minute. If I assume his ability to pick a board seat would be part of his job, and if he's fired, how come he can still do that? Because the well, agreement he's, he's from the he's still year the before. founder.
2: Yeah, and also as well, he's still the founder and a principal shareholder. Okay. So uh, you know that that gives that was even even if he doesn't have an official job title, he still has. Uh, access to the board because of his stock
0: yeah i guess um, that's true okay
2: you know but but the thing is the smart thing to do given all the negative bad press about around this guy and his practices and his attitudes is after he's stepped away from the company is to sit low for a while and do things in the background but this guy's such a douche he can't do that
1: he can't he's gone public and and uh, it,
0: it, the guy is such a scumbag and the company shows it. I mean, I don't know if you saw. They keep lowering the fares in a lot of cities, so the drivers get paid less. And then Uber added a fee, a, a, a dollar, like a dollar thirty-five fee, and at least around here, that goes to Uber. Yep. The driver doesn't get it. So they. And then I just saw they're adding a two-dollar teen fare now. What is yeah. that? It- I, I assume if you're under age, if you're under eighteen, you get charged a two dollar fee because I guess you're, you know, you're you're not to be trusted in the car. You I, know, I
2: have we, no... well, those of us outside the U.S. know that that one thing American corporate America absolutely loves is the pointless fee. So, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we kind of get that. But the thing is, look, Uber is is they've had so much bad press now. Yeah. They're going to get their lunch. They're going to get their lunch eaten because they've shown the rest of the industry. How you know this ride-sharing model can work, but at the same time they've managed to poison their own business to the point they'll probably go under, and then everyone else will will just step in and use their model, and they'll have nothing to show for it.
0: Yep,
1: that's exactly what's going to happen.
0: You, do you get the commercial? I don't. I, I don't even know what it's for, David, with the the kids selling lemonade and because it, it, what you just said made me laugh there's a guy who walks up to this little kid and it says lemonade one dollar and she hands him, it's a T-Mobile ad
2: and she I, saw it, him, I, I saw it when I was out for Mac a couple of weeks ago it's the I, one where she's, she hands him all these different fees Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's what made me think of when you said that it's a dollar of lemonade but it's two dollars and thirty The standing on my lawn fee <laughs> yep
1: I, I think that this is all going to Eventually lead to Uber going away. I think you're absolutely right, David. I think I they're wonder, going to be sued out of out of existence, or right. someone's going to come in and just buy the intellectual property of Uber, and everybody's going to be fired. Because I, I read this uh, story a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a month ago at this point, where if you worked for Uber, not as a driver, but you know, there in California, people were not getting jobs because it showed Uber on your resume. And it's such a stain wow. now that people weren't getting yeah. hired because they assumed that you were an ass, that you were a jerk <laughs> off that if you work for Uber, you must be a scumbag just like they are.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah. so they're not getting no, no, we,
2: jobs yeah. Not only that as well. I mean, everyone knows that Uber is working really, really hard on self-driving car technology because they want to take the driver out of the equation. Yep. They yep. want to own the whole enchilada. Now, given what we know about Uber and its corporate responsibility and practices, would you want to get into a self-driving car <laughs> owned by Uber? <laughs> yeah? It goes no. around the corner. goes around no. the corner. Yeah? <laughs> the door flings open and you fall out. Yeah? Break your leg. And Uber will go, not, not our bad. To do. Well, you, know, this, you were this You were sat wrong. David, yeah. I, I picture this thing that just happened to
0: this guy with no driver. The car still drives away, right? Because you, yeah. How does it know yeah. when you're done taking stuff out of the car?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that uh, that story in London? Uh, that jogger who just pushed that lady out of his way right in the front of a yeah. bus.
2: I, I I saw that. In fact, I read this morning that they found the guy and he's been arrested. Yeah. So uh, he's going to get staying
1: Nothing. She, the she the was, bus driver immediately hit the brakes and swerved. It's on video. You could see it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he I'm just not,
1: barely missed running over her head.
2: Because wow. our streets over here are very, very tight. And, yeah, yep. he, she missed She missed the bus. The bus missed her by about three inches. Yep. Um, and she'd have been dead. Yeah, she'd have been absolutely wow. dead. And,
1: and, and what's he just... The, what was his deal? Well, he's running. He's jogging. And he's taking up right in the middle... And she's looking at her phone or something. She's not really paying attention, but she's not, she's walking, and instead of giving her a wide berth, since he's paying attention, she's not. He runs right at her, right at her, moves at the last second, and just kind of shoves her
2: to the right out of the way. And she but she wasn't, yeah, <laughs> she wasn't even really in his way. No, no, <laughs> she wasn't right in front of him. You know, so yeah, he was just he just clearly had a had a you know, a thing about her people staring at the phone. He pushed her and it, you know, it very nearly went very badly wrong, but he didn't stop. He just kept going.
0: Yeah. I got it. I've looked at the video. That's really bad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's really bad. It's, it's (laughs) just, it's unbelievable. But here's a part that I think a lot of people miss on the story. He came jogging back like 15 minutes later on the other side. Mm. And she was still there because all the passengers in the bus got out and were helping her. And she was scraped up a little bit and stuff. She sees him on the other side and she starts yelling at him and he just completely ignores her and keeps going.
2: Yeah. That's London. Unfortunately, everyone, everyone in London, um, not to, not to over but a lot of people in London are really rude like that. It's just like to, to speak to people in public, uh, when, you know, whether you have anything to do with them or not, it's just not the dumb thing here. People just don't do it. And, and they're really, yeah. Yeah. Couple that with with kind of the entitled culture a lot of people have, and it's a really bad combination. This guy should go I
0: to jail. To stand, I used to stand still in the you know, like I'd be waiting for someone, and people would walk into you looking at their phones. They just walk right into you, and then they get mad at you because you're in the way. Standing still. Yep. Look out! Look out! I'm standing still.
1: <laughs> well, this, this guy should go to prison.
0: Now, I don't Is think that,
1: he intentionally meant to to kill her or, or even hurt her but his arrogant disregard for the life of another person and his selfishness he deserves to be in prison for 5 yeah, well, years
2: well the guy yeah the guy they've arrested has been bailed um and um he the guy they arrested is now insisting it wasn't him so oh,
0: for god's sake seriously
2: yep yeah. good lawyer huh yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, he's a he's a um, a private equity firm partner, so he's obviously got got cash.
1: You know, um, it was him. But yeah. It was him. Yeah, he,
0: he's. There's a, a great video I'm going to share. You have to put onto the thing this YouTube video. It's called "You Can't Even Text and Walk," and it's basically a bunch of videos of people texting and walking, doing stupid things. it's a it's a don't text and drive uh, piece, but it's it's very funny based on all this. I just posted it on there for you. Oh wow, that's hilarious! Guy falls it right into through, the water. Oh, this David, look at it! You know, some of them I think might even be in London. Uh, these, these shots from all around the world—it's just hysterical. Because that one, they were driving on the left side, so it could actually be in London. The opening shot.
2: Yeah, I like the guy falling into the duck pond. <laughs> I know, that's just wonderful. <laughs> This is like you can't.
0: This is basically people who are not seeing it yet. It's showing a bunch of people who can't even text and walk. So what
2: makes you think you can? Text? Well, yeah, the, the point is, you, yeah, you can't text and walk. So, you know, yeah, people should just you know, do that.
0: Yeah, there's so many Uber I mean, so many uh, Tesla <laughs> now in the Bay Area. They're they're everywhere, um, and there's there's hundreds of videos showing up now of people just sitting in their car texting because the car is driving itself.
1: It's a it's it's crazy.
0: So so Tesla changed their technology that you have to put, I was just driving my friend Al's the other day, and you have to have tension on the wheel now, so you're not just have your hands near it, but you, the wheel has to feel that your hand is there, so uh, <laughs> otherwise it, it'll, it'll turn off auto drive, and, and it punishes you, it won't let you turn it back
2: on for an hour. And, yeah, yeah my, my, brother had, my brother had that in his. his yeah, it punishes <laughs> you.
0: Well, so people are tying <laughs> water bottles. To the, to the steering wheel, so that it, the wheel feels the tension. God.
2: Just so, trying to call.
1: No, uh, <laughs> that's too much. It's too much. <coughs> it's unbelievable. It really is. It, I, it's... <clears throat> we want to uh, pause here to thank our sponsor. It is MaxSales.com. Um, they always have something going on sale. And I went up there, David and Owen, and I looked, and they've got a pair of uh, Apple beats by Dr. Dre uh, headphones with microphone for 4475 right now. That's wow. almost 86 dollars yeah. off. So if you're That's looking a for a new pair of headphones, there there you go. Now these are i they call them headphones, they're earbuds. Headphones should go over the head and over your ears. Those are headphones. Anything else are earbuds? Do you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but they got just a, a ton of stuff on sale. They got <clears throat> the uh, Elgato Video Capture for the Mac. So if you've got old footage like on a VCR or something, and uh, how do you get that off nowadays? Well, that what you do is you get the El video or the uh, Elgato Video Capture for the Mac. Plugs right into your Mac. Uh, iMovie sees it as a video stream, and you can record it on your Mac. Then you can edit it, or at the very least, you can share it. Up on Facebook, because God, everybody wants to watch your old ass videos on Facebook.
0: <laughs> you, you mean I should stop doing that? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. And but- I got—I got to give a shout out to them because um, a friend of mine is moving, and he just—he just dropped this a uh, raid drive on me that comes from. Hang on, second I, think I was get to the name because it comes from OWC, and. I couldn't figure out how to get it to work. It's called a Mercury Elite. <coughs> you know the Mercury Elite? Yeah. yeah. So I I ch- chatted with them and I said, "Look, I didn't buy this. It was given to me." And they helped me figure out what I couldn't get why I couldn't get it working. There was a hidden dip switch that had been set wrong inside. I got to give them credit for it. that was really cool. So.
1: Well, that's how you get customers right, right to customers. stay. You know, you help somebody who didn't buy a product for you. Guess who they're probably going to come back and help, and buy from next time?
0: I do buy from them quite regularly. But I thought that was kind of cool. The guy on this uh, who helped me didn't know that. Very good, yeah. great
1: company.
2: Yeah.
1: So, um, obviously, Tech Fan is part of the MyMac podcasting network. If you want to hear some new content, that's where you go. Go to mymac.com and click the button that says Podcasts. Uh, some a couple of the most recent ones after our last fail episode is Let's Talk Apple number forty-seven. Uh, Bart talks with uh, Nick Riley, Linda Gosha, and Scott Wilsey, and uh, Gazmans from the MyMac podcast. So if you want to hear more Apple stuff, there's an hour right there that you can listen to. Or here's another one, Three Geeky Ladies, episode 107, Sexism and Technology. you think there's sexism and technology, Owen?
0: It's a huge discussion (coughs) right now with the... That memo that came out of Google? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... And this this was was recorded before that.
1: And I I know for a fact this was actually recorded before that. This was recorded about two weeks ago. And the reason I know that it says, the description is, the ladies are joined by tech fan host Tim Robertson to discuss sexism and technology. Oh, see? Uh,
0: oh.
2: <laughs> so you got the inside track on that discussion.
1: Well, they're, they're the anti-sexism on the show, and I'm the pro-sexism on the show.
2: I was going to say, I know how <laughs> sexist you are. So yes. I'm sure that was, a, that was a real deal, that
1: one. Yeah, oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we've got two somewhat lengthy uh, feedback emails, and I'm going to go with the first one here, David. I'll let you go with the next okay. one. Okay. Um, and this was uh, posted uh, by Donnie Yankalo. And I need to grab my reading glasses. And he says, head to write and comment on CarPlay. I literally just drove home with a new Honda with CarPlay. First thing I did before leaving the lot was hook up my iPhone and activate it. It is fantastic. I've only used it for about 10 minutes, but I am impressed. It is much better than I expected, and I can't believe how smooth it works. Um, I can't see getting another car without it. The only problem I had with it was the MLB app, which would not work for some reason. But I could figure that out later and remove it from the display. I don't see myself using it anyway. Hopefully, my first impressions will last. Talk soon, Donnie. Um, I've had CarPlay in the aftermarket deck that you know David got to play with in uh, in my Sequoia. <coughs> and I use it pretty much every day, driving back and forth to work. CarPlay, unfortunately, only works when you're directly plugged into it, but I think that's kind of a good thing because that means your phone is charging too, which is what you want. And if you have an app, go ahead.
2: Especially if you're using (coughs) Maps, which is one of the best things for it, then the GPS really sucks the battery up.
1: Yep. Now, if you have an app that is CarPlay compatible, it actually shows up as an icon right there on your deck, and you don't even have to touch your iPhone. And the interface is really good it's better than i was expecting now i had some initial issues with it and david saw that firsthand where it carplay i would be plugged in and it just it wouldn't work uh, i only had that problem then it hasn't repeated itself um i think it's great technology whether it comes standard with your car or you get an aftermarket car stereo if your car's a little older uh you know you get an aftermarket one it's always going to have bluetooth and you just spend a little bit more and get CarPlay. If you're an Apple user and you have a lot of content on your phone and you drive a lot, CarPlay is totally worth the money. I, I could not be yeah. happier with it. It's, it's fantastic. I,
2: com- I completely agree. Um, recently, we had to have family over because of the, uh, of the personal <coughs> issues we had. Um, and I had some, uh, a couple of members of family from Israel uh, and they, they were with us, and then they had to drive back down to London to get a flight back to Israel. Um, and he was going to use, my, co- my wife's cousin was going to use Waze in the car, and he was trying to, in the rental car, he was trying to figure out ways to kind of prop it on the dashboard or something like this for the trip back to London. Uh, and I, I, I went out to see them off, and I said, no, this is a, it's a Vauxhall, which is a General Motors vehicle. I said, these pretty much all of these, I think, come with car players standard now. He went, oh CarPlay, what's that? So I showed him. I plugged his phone in. Sure enough, CarPlay came up on the dashboard, and he was able to use Apple Maps to get him back to London. And he actually texted me afterwards. He said, <coughs> he said that is probably the best satellite navigation experience I've ever had in a car. Yeah. Um, he was he was absolutely blown away by it, and he'd never even heard of it before. He thought he thought it was incredible.
1: I think Apple's done a poor job of really promoting CarPlay outside yeah. of like WWDC. Um, I think it's mature technology at this point. They could still improve it. Don't get me wrong. Um, But Uh, I I think it's a magic bullet. If Apple really pulls the trigger on promoting the hell out of it, it could be a, a, a big thing for iPhone sales and people wanting CarPlay using that technology and developers really starting to embrace it.
2: I'm very interested to hear if any of our listeners use Android Play. The, the Google version, because I'm, I'm really interested to see how that is.
0: I've heard uh, it's good.
2: Compared to, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I've it's, it's heard Chevy's it's good. i with both of it now, right? I think the new Chevys have both built in. Now. I,
2: I'm, I would imagine pretty much any car that has CarPlay probably has Android Play as well. It doesn't make sense to me to have one and not the other.
1: Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me either. So, uh, yeah, yeah if, if you're using the Google CarPlay, let us know what you think about that, too.
0: Or if you've had
1: experience with CarPlay, write in, let us know.
0: I have an Android, but I haven't tried it on a car yet, so I have to see how that works. I have to find someone who's got a car that has it in there. My Toyota's a little old for that.
1: So, uh, Neil Wharton also wrote in, David. Now, this is a couple weeks old.
2: Yeah. This is talking about um, TCR, which is the uh, slotless uh, uh, slotless racing toy that we talked about a few weeks ago on our uh, on our Wikipedia trolling, so he goes. Thanks for a great podcast. Listening to the last one about TCR really brought back memories. I don't agree with what you were saying about the set. I had one and I had a great time with it. I never suffered from bad PSUs and car slowdowns, and certainly no electric shocks from it. Well, I'm pleased to hear that, Neil. Um, he says I had the set called Super Four Twin Circuit. It consisted of two large oval tracks, one inside the other, joined on one of the longer sides. This created a four-lane section from getting to the outside oval to the inner one. It came with two jam cars, one that ran around the outside oval and one that ran around the inside. It then had two race cars for two players. It was brilliant. Even with the two jam cars and the two race cars, it went really fast. I ended up buying extra cars for it. I remember having a pair of Jeeps and a pair of racing vans. I always wanted to get the zigzag jam car, but never got the chance to get one, unfortunately. If I was racing on my own, I often used to place matchbox cars. Those are kind of little, uh, hot, kind of like Hot Wheels cars. Yep. And what matchboxes here in the UK. I often used to place matchbox cars on the track as static obstacles. At the time, they were all metal made. So adding the extra danger that if my plastic racing tissue <laughs> hit one of them, it would probably smash it to pieces. My, ma- making it all the more exciting. So just to add another perspective to total control racing, it was brilliant and way more exciting than my mate Skillextric. TCR forever! Oh no, to fail. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Neil. Uh, do you know? Uh, do, you, do you have Skelextric in uh, the in, in the US?
1: Mm, I don't. It doesn't no. ring any bell with me. Doesn't mean we so, don't, so, but
2: yeah. But so Skelextric is basically the it, it's the big the massive slot car slot car toy that's on sale in the UK. And it always has been – I mean, it's Skelectric is basically – it's it's kind of like the Hoover of slot, slot car racing. Most people will call it Skellextric, even if it's from a different brand, because that's <laughs> the one that's in everyone's con- consciousness, you know. So uh, Skellextric was all about Formula One, and, and it was much bigger and much more robust and quite a, li- quite a bit more expensive, as I recall. Um, but it certainly couldn't do the sort of stuff that TCR could do. So um, great to hear from somebody who actually used it, and uh, nice to hear from you, Neil.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we got one more story to go over before we get to this week's wiki trolling, and uh, I saw this on Apple Insider, and I thought this is this is kind of surprising, but maybe not. So Consumers Reports, who I think you have good intentions, but I think they get it wrong quite a bit, to be honest.
2: Yeah, um, they, they certainly have have had a spotty track record.
1: Yeah, and yeah. yeah. This is from them. 25% of Microsoft Surface owners report problems within two years. A new large survey of Microsoft Surface owners found that a quarter of those using the hybrid devices experienced problems by the second year of ownership, raising questions about the reliability of the company's iPad and MacBook competitors. Consumer Reports announced on Thursday can no longer recommend Microsoft Surface laptops and tablets based on reliability gathered from 90,741 device owners. The poll found that 25% of Microsoft laptops and tablet owners experienced problems by the second year of ownership. Now, among the issues experienced with the Microsoft hardware were problems during startup, unexpected unexpected freezing or shutdowns, and slow response time on the device's touchscreens. Now, here's a question for you guys. Is that a problem with the hardware or is that a problem with the software? And if it's not the hardware itself, and I, I honestly, I doubt that it is, because they're not talking about cracked screens or hinges that aren't working or keys that are popping off or cases that are separating. This is all, to me, sounds like software-related. So if that's the case, then shouldn't you just stop recommending all hardware that runs Microsoft software?
2: I think you make a very valid point. Um, Especially after two years. Yeah, it's very hard on the survey to differentiate exactly what the root of the problem was. I know that the surfaces have had some hardware issues. There's been a lot of firmware problems. I think they really got hit hard by some of Intel's problems with the Skylake chipset. I know that for a long time there was problems with the models uh, either not sleeping or not waking from sleep. Uh, and there was a lot of people who were putting them to sleep, putting them in their bag, and then opening them up and find their bag was cooked because the finger kept on. Um, so I think there's been a fair few issues like that. But certainly in my experience, I've had two or three surfaces of various different vintages over the last couple of years. And most of them, well, certainly I, I don't think I've had any hardware issues, but I have had these sorts of software problems with lockups issues where you need to reboot sometimes the bluetooth stopped working for no apparent reason you had to kind of reboot Uh, i've had a lot of problems with the um the the covers the type covers and the touch covers that connect to the bottom kind of just failing and you have to kind of pull it off and reconnect in order to get them to continue working Uh, and all of those things sound like driver and software problems i agree with you um Maybe it's the form factor puts more stress on the drivers or just the drivers aren't as mature for those types of technology versus conventional Windows laptops. I've not had as many problems with the Windows laptops that I use as, as I have with the, with the tablets. But it's, it's hard to be sure. This is the sort of thing you really need better data to be able to be definitive about.
1: Because this, this result sounds extremely vague to me. And look, yes, I don't want to defend is- Microsoft here if they're making faulty products. But that sounds awful, awful vague. And it's it's really easy for our, an Apple fanboy to jump on the anti Microsoft bandwagon. And there is something yeah. to be said for it's very it's getting increasingly difficult to separate software and hardware. If if one thing's causing a problem on my iPhone, well is it software or is it hardware? I don't care, the damn thing is not working. That's all I care about. Screw iPhone, screw Apple, I'm getting Android, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, and Microsoft's, Microsoft's refuting this, by the way, and
0: as well they should. I think that this and, is... And yeah, my, my app, my MacBook, <coughs> never done that, right? I, right, I had a nickel exactly. For every time I cooked my hardware bag, because my my MacBook won't go to sleep. I have one right now that refuses to sleep. Right, if is it so- software or hardware? Menu, it will not sleep. Is it
1: software or hardware? I don't know. I think it's software. Probably, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's got a, a sensor that doesn't detect that it's been closed.
0: On the other hand, I'm talking to you on a MacBook Pro 15-inch running Windows 7, and it runs like a champ. Yeah. yeah. It, it's never had a problem, so I, mean, I don't know. You know. I mean, it sleeps fine. It works fine. So, The
2: separation I mean, anything
1: of anything software and come. hardware is becoming increasingly difficult to do.
2: Yeah. But one of the one of the passes Microsoft has often received in the past is when people say, oh, well, you know, everyone, people have said before, Windows is not as reliable as a Mac. And the excuse has always been, well, Microsoft doesn't own the whole widget. They don't make the hardware and the software at the same time. And Apple does. Right. And that gives Apple an advantage for stability. Well, in this case, that doesn't apply because Microsoft has made the hardware as well as the software. And you would expect that if anything's going to work the best with Windows, it would be Microsoft 's own devices so d- this david, this data suggests that 's not the case
0: so david it's possible and i know I know the same thing happened inside Apple at one point that when you own both devices, you have to use the public interfaces. I know Apple got in trouble because at one point they were writing to hardware that the public didn 't get access to and okay. and a lot of people complained, and I think there might have even been a lawsuit about. How come Apple gets to write to these interfaces when they're not public? So uh, I agree with your your thinking, but I bet you App, Microsoft has the same issue. Their guys write to the public interfaces.
2: That's that's uh, all well and good. And, um, you know, I, I think I can see exactly why people would be upset if you're using proprietary access. Funnily enough, uh, I think both Apple and Google get away with that inside the phones. But Yes. That's, that's, by, that's by the by. Um, the point is, is that in, in some respects, it doesn't really matter. Because these devices, they cost around about the same as, as equivalent Apple devices do. Yep. And I think for that sort of money, it's not unreasonable for a user to expect the experience to be pretty smooth and pretty good. Uh, you, probably don't, you probably don't want to get kind of a negative user experience, which you might put up with, you know, if you spent $250 on a netbook. Um, right. But if you spend $1,000 on a Microsoft branded tablet, um, then, then that is a concern. If these reports are true, and the problem with consumer reports is they have got it wrong in the past. They have used slightly suspect survey methods sometimes, and they certainly have a reputation for uh, enjoying the kind of the clickbaitiness of the story in some respects over the actual facts. So I, I I agree with you, Tim. I think I think we have to be very cautious about roundly condemning Microsoft <coughs> about this. But the problem is we'll never know. One of the things Microsoft does not do in the way that Apple does is release hard sales numbers for the surface devices uh, right. and they certainly don't talk about customer satisfaction or return rates or anything like that in a, in a way that that apple is is known for doing they, they definitely give customer sap figures and they they definitely allow you to even if they don't directly state sales they allow you to and uh, they give you enough data to infer sales whereas microsoft is is famous i i listen to um, people like Paul Theroux all the time, and they, he's always criticised them for saying, "Well, they'll say, 'Oh, surface sales were up seventy-five percent from from where they were <laughs> three months ago,' but but not not give you the, the the actual numbers to actually understand what that stat means."
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Among the issues experienced with Microsoft hardware were problems during startup. What problems during startup? Can we get a little more
0: vague? What's yeah, the problem? So Was it not so starting Windows up? Has a pro- Windows has a problem during startup if you if the boot sector gets messed up or there's some there's some settings that can screw up startup. It's been a bug of mine in Windows since day one, and uh, I'm just wondering if that particular hardware has a problem keeping those uh, that non-volatile function of, the, of those those values correct. Uh, unexpected I'm, freezing. you use Windows. You've had them stop working like that, right?
2: Oh, I, I have. I have to say, it's not something I've seen for a very long time. <coughs> the big problems I find with Windows machines now is is unexpected reboots from software downloads. Uh. Um, the, <laughs> the occasional blue screen, um, but very, very occasional. I don't see those very often anymore. Um, and then it's third-party drivers that stop working, probably yeah. related to those, those, those unexpected u- updates. Right. Um, we have a lot of problem with third-party drivers on uh, things like DisplayLink, which we use for our docs. That stopped working but um in in terms of startup windows 10 is normally pretty good at startup i've not really seen any issues with that on any device i've ever had including as i say several several surface tablets so i have a question so, uh, do, do
0: yeah. you have auto updates turned off
2: well not on my um not on no not on my devices because i need the security <laughs> updates okay because um, i have it turned actually- off
0: and i still get updates there are still yeah, critical that, updates that Microsoft yeah. pushes, even if you have it turned off.
2: That is the way they want to work now. They want to be able to yeah. make updates to you. And we're actually, we're, uh, in the company, we're trying to um, use Microsoft Intune to now actually put a schedule in place because I nice. had it yesterday. My, my work laptop received two automated Intune updates from Microsoft requiring full reboot on the same day. I did one, and then two hours later, it it, it, it sent me another. And the problem with Intune is that once it's put an update (coughs) down there, it keeps popping up saying it wants to reboot the computer in 15 minutes. Right. Right. Um, And then you you cancel that, and then 10 minutes later, it says, oh, I want to reboot in 15 minutes. And it keeps doing that over and over again until you do the reboot. And that's very, very irritating when you're trying to get work done.
0: We actually had to add a, um, a firewall to our build machines that the security company worked on because Microsoft would reboot them in the middle of the night with a security update, and we would lose daily builds. And we finally had to block Microsoft Microsoft from our computers so that we could control the time. And that one, That's still one of my biggest annoyances, to come in and find my machine rebooted, because Microsoft insisted that security update had to be done right then and there.
2: Yeah. I, I you know, look, it's, it's a... It's a... Double-edged sword because obviously they're a very big attack target, and nobody wants nobody wants to hear that they, as, as we had here in the UK not so long back, that people hadn't updated to a patch that would come out a month before, and then that exposed them to encrypting malware. I got, uh, hit. It, I got hit. Yeah, I update so, mine.
0: So, I update mine regularly, but I got hit. I think yeah. Tim, you know that, right? Yes. That I got. I got hit with. Uh, behind two firewalls and, and more software on my machine to protect against it, I got hit by a zero-day attack. And even if I had updated it, it wouldn't have mattered because it was a zero-day attack. But uh, I have good backups.
1: <laughs> and and you know what? At the end of the day, that's kind of what you have to do, isn't it? You, you have to have good backups. Hey, you can get a good hard drives from our sponsor, OWC. Oh, see what I did
0: there? <laughs> Awesome. I have to back up to a OWC raid that's it, which is kept separate, so not attached. Let's uh,
1: let's jump to our final segment here since we're coming up on the forty-five minute mark, and this is our wiki trolling. And uh, Owen put something in, but I haven't read it yet, so I'm not going with that one. Well, <laughs> sa- we'll sa- save that one for the next time you're on Owen. Really? Yeah. Oh, come on. I told you about it when we started. All right. Uh, This one is Claris. I thought it was kind of appropriate for this show. Claris was a computer software developer formed as a spinoff from Apple Computer, now Apple Inc., in 1987. It was giving the source code and copyrights for several programs that were owned by Apple, notably MacWrite and MacPaint, in order to separate Apple's application software activities from its hardware and operating system activities. In 1998, the company divorced itself of all but its flagship product and reformed as FileMaker Inc. Now, one of the big, I don't want to call it a problem, but issues with uh, early Mac's hardware was that Apple included MacPaint. They also included MacWrite. Yeah. The problem that third-party developers had was, well this is more than adequate for everyday users. How are we going to compete with that? And so Apple's idea was to split those off as a separate company, still owned by Apple, and not give them preferential treatment. It didn't really work, but it kind of did. And it only worked because the Mac got more popular.
2: Did they still bundle the Clara software with the Mac?
0: They did, but much later. Um, right. Yeah, there was a point where nothing was, there wasn't anything, right? Uh,
1: no, the Apple has always had a, something bundled on the Mac, whether it's GarageBand, whether it's iTunes.
0: No, so I mean Write and Word. I mean Write and and Paint.
1: Yeah, there was a there was a time that it wasn't, but that was eventually replaced by Claris Works, Remember, right. in nineteen ninety, they came out with Claris Works, which was what well, it was a spreadsheet. It was uh, a really rudimentary uh, database program. It was a painting program, it was a drawing program, and there was a text program. And it was a, a suite, but it, it, it paled a comparison to Microsoft Office. So even though it came on all these machines, if you were doing any kind of serious work, you weren't using Apple Works, which is what it was renamed later, ClarisWorks Works or Apple Works, you were using Microsoft Office. Even though this came free with it, but I had relatives who were more than happy with, you know, the, the built-in ClarisWorks uh, word processing software because it, it worked great. But Claris Works or Claris had a lot of different products that I think a lot of people kind of forget about. Um, they had Claris Emailer, which I thought was a really good email back in the mid '90s. It was. Um, they had Claris Office Mail which I've never used. And they had Claris Organizer, which I remember playing with a few times and I liked it, but I didn't have a need for it. But probably one of my favorite Claris products outside of Claris works itself was Claris homepage. It was a, um, what you see is what you get. HTML editor. And that was mid nineties too. When the internet was such a new thing, web pages were such a new thing and it was hard to code. You didn't know what it was going to look like until you actually posted it, and uh, that didn't work, and you get into the guts of it and try to fix it. And, you know, Homepage, just it just worked. It was really, really good software. I remember doing a, a review of it for My Mac Magazine way back in the day. Um, but they also had, they had purchased FileMaker. And when all was said and done, the only thing that's ever lasted from ClarisWorks, or from Claris, was FileMaker. In fact, they renamed the company FileMaker, and they did away with all of the products. Now, they did come out with a new FileMaker product um, called Bento. Remember that? In 2008, it was for the uh, iOS and Mac. Uh, It it got a lot of attention. A lot of people, I remember reading a lot about it at, at MyMac. I remember talking about it back in the MyMac podcast days. Uh, it died in 2013. A lot of people don't even know that Bento went away. It was discontinued.
2: I think the problem with Bento always was, it, you know, it was actually a problem that a lot of people had. It <laughs> I, was, and course, it, used, it was yeah.
1: template-based instead of actually creating yeah. your own database.
2: Unfortunately, nowadays, if most people want to do a simple database, they fire up Excel and they just write, write rows into Excel. It's not really a great way of doing that. No, but, it's terrible. Uh, everybody does because they kind of know Excel, uh, and one, the one advantage for for databases that Excel has is that the the paradigm, <laughs> the idea of just writing a table, is intuitive to people. And uh, one of the problems I've always had with FileMaker and and, uh, and Bento, uh, I remember this is, is um, if you weren't doing something that looked like a contact database, it was actually very difficult to under- to kind of get your head around the, the model the
1: database. It, um, it's all whereas, depend on your experience. See, I have a hard, yeah. hard much harder time with Excel because it doesn't logically do what I think it should do because I came up I, I was a FileMaker developer. I mean, I made my money in yeah. FileMaker for a while. I understand how relational databases work and I understand that you know, it's it's all about the manipulation of data and where you're going to display data. And what you could do with that data. Um, in fact, my invoicing system for MyMac Productions, the parent company to TechFan and MyMac.com and all that, is completely run in a uh, FileMaker Pro database. Everything.
2: Yeah. But, the, but the 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 thing is, if you don't have that experience, uh, it's most hard. People are used. Most people are used to used to thinking about the data as a table, and then thinking about how it's presented after they've got the data together. FileMaker and Bento kind of mush that together into one concept. And if you're not used to that, it is hard. Yep. Um, and uh, I think the, the issue people we have with that nowadays is that particularly for an entry-level day space product is a lot of people are trained, they're taught in school, they have experience of doing, doing Excel spreadsheets. And it's, it's, I see it all the time in business. People are always putting stuff together in Excel tables because it's just the first thing they think of. And, yeah, there are better, more elegant ways of doing it. But, then but, you know, what you don't know doesn't hurt you, if you know what I mean.
1: Um, yep, And most people don't think- have a need for a database. They just don't. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: But exactly. I find it the history of Claris is also the history of Apple. I mean, at one point, did you know that Apple actually split, uh, gave Claris the Mac OS? Claris was going to be the developer for the Mac the the software, while Apple simply concentrated on the hardware. Now, that didn't last long, and they pulled it back. But I bet you didn't know that.
2: I I didn't know. You you would do Apple. (laughs) Mr. Apple. I I was yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But what I find interesting is what goes around comes around, because you go to the Farmaker website today, and it says Farmaker, an Apple subsidiary.
0: Yep. Oh, it does. Okay. I have a FileMaker Pro box up on the shelf. Would you like it, Tim? No.
1: No, I'm using. I think
0: think it's still in shrink wrap, actually. uh,
1: I don't even know. I think I'm. What is this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Show and Finder. I don't think I have that. No, I can't. Yeah, it's on an external hard drive. Um, I'm like three versions behind. But literally, the only thing I ever use it for nowadays is my uh, my invoicing stuff.
2: Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I
1: and and the nice thing is, you know, it's easy to search. Uh, each invoice is its own page. Uh, it it automatically pulls data from a um, a different database that I've got set up for customer names and the products. <clears throat> and now the products are just services or advertising. Um but it pulls that up, and I hit print and because it 's using the mac os 's print system, one of the things is save as a pdf and so i don't physically print invoices anymore; I just save it as a PDF and email them. I could set it up where I can email directly from the database itself it it's pretty trivial to do that, but i you know i don't um <laughs>
0: It's, it works. Why mess with it, right?
1: Well, because then I don't have a, a record of that sent email. Because it's just a call-out. And oh, I want an actual, I, I actual. sent this at 7.30 p.m. on the 30th. And there's no, the email. Uh, and plus, when I usually send an email, I want to put a little note to it. And I could do that, too, within FileMaker. I put a, I, I would just put a uh, a field where you could type in a note and hit send. And it's, you know... But, yeah, it's easier just to save a PDF and create a new email message. Um, I like reading some of these history things about software that, I, you know, I was around for most of this stuff. Uh, so were you, Owen. Yeah. But I, I I like reading it because it, it brings back memories that, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, I forgot all about, for instance, Claire's homepage. You know, here, here it's an interesting trivia. The term Apple works was around before Claris was. Most people don't know that.
0: Yep. Okay. I'm trying to remember the time frame on that. I don't remember.
1: So that is our wiki trolling story of the week. We do encourage you guys to send us some feedback. It makes the show a lot better, to be honest. I mean, thank you to Neil and Donnie for sending us some feedback this week. And uh, we'd love to hear from other listeners. Easy to do. We've
2: a... Yeah, I've had a pile of stuff from Brendan, actually, that we'll have to cover next
1: week. Yeah, I've seen that, too. Um, It's just we got to kind of trim it down a little bit. Yep. Um, But send us email. It's theshow at techfampodcast.com or simply go to techfampodcast.com or mymech.com and leave a comment in the show notes. We'll get it there as well. We do look at our Twitter pretty much every day. Follow us on Twitter at Tech Fan Podcast, or at My Mac, or find us on Facebook. Nobody ever posts anything on Facebook. Uh, people see the posts there, but they never reply to them there. So, anything that you want to talk about before we wrap up here, Owen? No, I'm okay. David,
2: not from me. Next week, I hope to give you the drone review.
1: I was wondering if you you start playing with that.
2: i have not flying. Have a new drone? Yeah, I have the uh, DJI uh, Spark. So um, I'm going to be playing with that hopefully this weekend if I get a chance. Uh,
0: what's the, what's the price roughly? It's
2: five hundred dollars.
0: Oh, so it's a we're talking about a serious drone, okay?
2: Oh yeah, it's, it's an entry level one, but it is <sighs> yeah. This is this is this is one step above the toy drones.
1: I'm looking forward to hearing it. I suck at trying yeah. to fly, fly a drone. I can't seem to do it.
0: But the new one, the, even the cheaper ones now, are coming with with rudimentary altitude hold and. And, and stuff, so it makes them a lot easier. I've crashed my share of them. <laughs> the, the cheap ones, right? They're just not easy to fly. So right. I'm actually no, you, interested you need, in that as well,
2: David. Yeah, you, you need one that flies itself. It's, it's basically flies itself, and you just tell it where to go. That's the uh, yeah. That's the secret sauce. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right. does it. I have to ask you, David, does it have a home function? It certainly does. It so remembers remember, where it, Remember to It remembers set it. where it takes off from and then when the battery gets low or you tell it to, it comes back home. Um, it also has rudimentary uh, collision avoidance. Um, so
0: the that's reason that's I'm true. telling you that remember to set it. I have a friend who does this professionally. He's got very expensive drones and he forgot to set the home when he started to fly it one time and he was about 10 minutes into the flight and the thing just took off. It just went flying <laughs> off. And it had it, it, the battery said it was low and it decided to go where it was last homed. And it okay. ended up running into the side of a building or a mountain or something. <laughs> he said it crashed his drone because he forgot to set home. So I don't know if yours has to be set or not.
1: but
2: uh, I'll <laughs> let you know next week.
1: <laughs> Looking forward to it. So until then, um, remember, we love the feedback. We love to hear from you. Uh, the show at TechFanPodcast.com. And we'll see you next week.
2: See you then.